You're listening to She of the Wild, growing our souls through creativity with Beth Mori. That's me! SheOfTheWild.com, coming to you live from Glastonbury, UK. Except it's probably not Glastonbury, like, well, it is Glastonbury. It's probably not live from Glastonbury because I'm not actually alive on anything. I'm sitting on the side of a walking path going up to the tour, um, which means hill. I thought it meant tower because there's a tower on the top of the tour, um, but no, it means hell. I'm sitting here recording, and I'm not live on anything. But I'm here on location. How about that? On location at Glastonbury Tour UK. And um, if you've been following along on my Facebook or Instagram, which are both either Instagram.com or Facebook.com slash She of the Wild, um, you know that I've been in the UK and traveling for a little bit here. And... It was very sudden. People are like, what? You're in the UK? When did that happen? And the reality is that it happened um, really recently. I uh, realized that I would have a a week off from my teaching job for spring break. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to go to the UK, like, with this deep longing since I was a kid. And I thought, why not? Why not now? Because if not now, then when? I mean, there is never going to be that, like, perfect time, right? Or I feel like, at least in my mind, I'll never be like, you know, I don't want to save this money instead of using it on a trip. Because the most responsible thing, right, is to to save the money. But my soul, my heart, my gut needed to come here. So I've come here. And it's been a really interesting journey. Um, You know, I was so excited, but then I was also really nervous because what if it wasn't good? Like, what if I came all the way here, spent all this money to get here, and I hated it? I had this, like, huge expectation, or at least picture of maybe what it would feel like to be here, you know, going back decades and um, what if that wasn't satisfied or it turned out to be a, a lie or, or something like that? Um, do you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I was nervous. And because also I've gone on other big trips. I, when I was in college and university, I, my, my undergrad really encouraged everyone to go study abroad for at least a semester. So I did. And I went to New Zealand, and it was at the time of, like, like, I picked New Zealand because they spoke English there, and my college required you to go to, like, if you were going to go to a country that spoke a different language than English, you had to have taken four semesters of that language previous to going, and I hadn't, so I had to go either somewhere that there was a language spoken there 
that wasn't taught at the college or that spoke English. And Lord of the Rings had just come out recently. And I was like, you know, that looks gorgeous. Um, the like beauty and I don't know, longing, I guess, of Lord of the Rings and in Lord of the Rings spoke to my own inner longing. And I thought, that's where I'm going to go. So I go on this trip to literally the other side of the world. Like I'm like going as far as possible from where I actually was normally. And it was gorgeous. And I got to see some beautiful things and do some cool stuff. But mostly I didn't I didn't enjoy it because I was extraordinarily depressed. And of course now I can look back and say, okay, well I had some mental health issues going on that were unmedicated. I needed I needed help, right? But I didn't get the help. But at the time it was like it just felt like I was a failure. You know, I'd gone all this way and it sucked. And what was wrong with me if I like if I couldn't be happy in this paradise of New Zealand, where could I be happy, right? Um, so I had the same fear going into this trip to the UK. Um, like, if I can't be happy in London or in Glastonbury, these places I've thought about and dreamed about and read about and wanted about <laughs> for so long, and if I, what if I go there and I'm not happy or I'm not content or I'm not... I don't feel alive inside. What if I go there and it doesn't feel right? It would be, it, it felt like it would be devastating to have it happen a second time. So I came here and I had to say at first it was hard because I didn't really sleep the night before I left on my plane because uh, I am a procrastinator and worked up until the last day before I left in my plane. So I worked until 4 o'clock p.m., 4.30, 5 o'clock p.m., on the day before I left, and my flight was leaving at 6 a.m. I hadn't packed. I still had to, like, drop the kids off for dad, give directions on how to take care of our cats. So I had, like, a crap ton of stuff. Excuse my language. Of stuff <laughs> to take care of in these very few hours and get enough sleep. And, of course, I didn't get enough sleep. So I only got a few hours of sleep before the trip. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll sleep on the plane because there's a big chunk of, like, transatlantic travel. And I didn't sleep at all on either any of my planes, like at all. And so I show up in London with um, like literally no sleep for have like have had no sleep in two days. And I was going to stay in an Airbnb and I got into my, my flight got in at like seven o'clock in the morning and my Airbnb you couldn't check in until like five o'clock p.m. So I had this like vast amount of time to just kind of like wait. <laughs> and in my head previous to going, I was like, oh, well. I'm going to go and have adventures and then I'll go check into my Airbnb and I'll catch up on sleep and I'll be fine. And I did do that, but it didn't feel the way I thought it would feel. It felt hard because I was freaking exhausted to the point of like kind of being off balance, uh, like drunk on my exhaustion. And also I discovered that the tube, the underground, the subway system here has these really crazy steep and long escalators that freaked me out so badly. So I was having also anxiety as I'm like traveling around this new city by myself on the public transportation for the first time. And it felt, it felt hard. And I think it was mostly because I was tired and also I'm prone to anxiety. But I also had like great experiences like that first day. I, I, I took like a picture of myself on the tube because I just traversed this massive escalator that triggered my anxiety and my, uh, I have like a vestibular issue. My balance just gets weird. 
Um, so it triggered that, this escalator situation. I had I'd done it. I'd gone down the escalator, gotten on the tube, and I was sitting on the tube, and I was just starting to cry because I knew I'd have to probably take another escalator to get back out, and, like, why the hell aren't there, like, elevator elevators, yeah, lifts everywhere. There aren't. There are only a few. Um, and then, like, literally two minutes later, I come out of the underground. There wasn't a big escalator that I remember. Or maybe there was, I just don't remember. Um, and I come out, and it's sunny. Didn't expect it to be sunny, and the sun is shining, and literally right across the street from me is a castle. And it's the Tower of London. And by the way, I'm outside. So if you hear outside things, that's why. Because I'm outside. Also, a car is about to potentially drive by. So sorry for the background noise. Um, and so I, and then I, so it was the Tower of London, this castle. It's the Tower of London, which... You know, we all heard so many things about the Tower of London, right? And, like, Henry VIII and uh, his wives and Lady Jane Grey and people getting beheaded all the time in medieval England. And we learn about William the Conqueror, 1066 AD. William the Conqueror basically took over England. Um, and so Tower of London was actually built by William the Conqueror. And Henry VIII was there and... I'm not sure actually if he was there. I can't remember. No, he probably was there. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> That's okay. Check your own history, people. Fact check me. Uh, but his some of his wives were there. One of his wives, I believe, was killed there. Lady Jane Grey was killed there. Um, William the Conqueror lived there. He built the first like royal castle, the royal seat there where they lived. Um, and it, so it was interesting. It wasn't just a tower. I thought it was just a tower where they, like, locked people up. I was saying, or Thomas More was, was in prison there. A lot of famous people or, like, well-known figures in history were imprisoned there and or murdered there-ish. Um, so to come from this, like, deep sadness in the train to come out and have this, like, almost, like, magical experience was amazing and intense and hard because I was tired. and And so I was having this cool experience at the tower, exploring the tower, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm going to fall over. I know, I feel like that kind of epitomizes my first three days in, in London and in England, trying to trying to find my feet. I, I felt like I got my, my voice disappeared, not physically, but like symbolically, I lost my voice for a little bit. I lost, I felt very, very quiet, and even when like I would speak, people were like, what did you say? I can't hear you. Um, I feel like I kind of got broken down by this experience, which is not something I expected because it's a freaking vacation, right? It's a holiday. <laughs> um, but yeah, it kind of broke me down. And I remember my first evening in London, I hadn't checked into my Airbnb yet. I was still staggering around London <laughs> after the Tower of London, still staggering around waiting to go to my Airbnb. And I remember crossing the street and going, like, having this twin thought of, holy crap, this is all real. Like, all the things I dreamed about are real. And then, also, at the same time, it's all real. It's not like a fantasy. It's real world, gritty, imperfect. So, it, like, both the dream and the perfectly imperfect physical were coexisting at the same time in this place or, or in my mind, my perception. I'm not sure how you would phrase it. Feel free to make your own interpretation. Um, yeah. And it made me want to, like, be like, yay, and celebrate, but also it made me want to cry and be like, oh, 
it's kind of crappy here too. But it's also good here too. Um, and there, the, yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Um, and then I came, I, I, I left London after a few days, went to visit a dear friend, and then drove up to, by the way, driving here is a little bit scary, <laughs> just because the roads, the highways are so narrow, oh my gosh, it's crazy, um, but actually it was fine, uh, like I did fine, and drove up to Glastonbury, where I had wanted to go, you know, for a long time, is, if you know anything about Glastonbury, you might know that it's, like, a spiritual destination, a location of goddess spirituality, divine feminine spirituality, as well as Christian, uh, ancient Christian spirituality. We have, like, the, the chalice well, which is supposed to be, like, holy water. Um, the tour is supposed to be, you know, a sacred place. Um, and it's, like, the mythical location of Avalon, at the Glastonbury Abbey here. It was said that in the 1500s they found the body of King Arthur and, and Guinevere. So there's a lot of not just history here, but also religion, spirituality, and lots and lots of myth. Um, and I really, really, this is where I wanted to come most of all out of England. And so I was nervous to get here and find out if it was, yay, real, but also, oh, shit, real. <laughs> or maybe just, oh, shit, real, and not even the, any of the yay, real part. Um, and as I was driving, driving, and then I'm driving, and I look over, and I see, completely surprised me, like, my first glimpse of the tour, because it's very, up in this very high hill, you can see it from a lot of places, and, and it was just like, uh... Yes, like my heart, my gut, my soul were like, yep, this is what I came for. And it was kind of a feeling of no matter what happens, it's going to be what I needed and what I came for. So here we go. So I was really excited, you know, go straight to the chalice well. Um, that was really great. And then I drank from it. It tasted like nickels and pennies because it has a high iron content. And then I was like, and now it is time to hike the tour. And... I failed. I failed at it. And I feel okay about that, which is weird. I, like, rounded this bend in the tour and got hit by this massive gust of wind, uh, like, 70 miles per hour wind. Uh, it, like, knocked a kid off the trail. I think her parents thought she was, like, messing around, but she was, like, actually knocked down the hill by the wind. So I came around the bend, and as I said, I have, like, vestibular issues, anxiety issues, and I was like, I don't think I can do this with this wind, and sat on this bench and held on to it for dear life, even though I probably wasn't going anywhere, but it felt like I was going anywhere, or going somewhere, and I went back down, and it was cool, because, like, my inclination would be to, like, beat myself up about it, um, and say, you know, you came all this way, you desperately wanted to visit the tour, to visit the, like... <laughs> the monument on the top of the tour and you didn't you didn't do it um but I felt like okay with it at that moment like it was like there's gonna be this is fine and I remembered also that when I first moved to Montana where I live in the U.S. that I had a hard time on the mountains like hiking the mountains because the trails were high and thin and steep and there didn't have a lot of like room off the trail before it like dropped away down like a little like a sheer embankment and I remember I had a really hard time 
and I would like get stuck on the mountain and have to like go back down and and I was like, you know, this is the same thing. And like and now, after having lived in Montana for over a decade, I'm fine with the mountains for the most part. Like I, I've gotten used to it. I've learned to find my feet there. And I'm like, you know, you're in a new place here in Glastonbury. You haven't found your feet yet. There's someone coming by right now. And so if you hear them, that's why. Um, they, well, the, there's two kids and a mother, and she called one of the kids who was running ahead back because the other child wanted to go say hello to this tree. She said, we're going to go say hello to this tree. So it's cool. Right. So right now I am en route back to the tour because my flight home, I was supposed to be home in the U.S. by now, and my flight, part of my flight got canceled, so I couldn't make the rest of my flight because uh, an airline went on strike, of course. Um, I couldn't get a train and I tried all these things, and I was like, you know what? looks like I'm going to be stuck in England for another few days, which is when they could rebook me for. And I was like, you know what? I'm going back to Glastonbury. I've had all these adventures here. Um, not, like, fun adventures either. You know, I always, when I say the word adventure, I'm like, in my mind, I'm always thinking it's going to be fun. But when you think about, like, stories, or at least I, when I think about stories in movies that have actual adventures like Lord of the Rings or, or uh, like, Harry Potter, they have adventures. But a lot of it is not fun. Like, I don't think Frodo would say he enjoyed taking the ring to Mordor or, like, the fallout in his life after. It was hard, and it hurt, and it was costly. So I had this opportunity to spend more time in England. And I thought, you know, I got to spend a very brief time in Glastonbury. I'm going to go back. Um, so I just, like... Like, I had very little time to do it, so I basically raced through the train station, grabbed a train, and hopped on it, took this train to the middle of nowhere. It wasn't even to Glastonbury. to a different place. And they were like, you can get a taxi there. Get there. There's only one taxi. He's going to charge me, like, $150 for this 15-minute trip because it's a holiday. Bank holiday. I'm like, oh, shit. But there's literally no other way to get there, so I'm like, okay. And he only takes cash. I'm like, I have exactly the amount of cash that it would cost to take this taxi one way. Okay. I have to do it because I can't get a train back. I can't stay at this, like, countryside train station in the middle of nowhere. So I get on the taxi, get to Glastonbury, thinking I'll get more cash out of my ATM or out of an ATM when I get here for the ride back to catch the train back to London. And get here. And my bank, my bank card flags me because I'm in the UK and not in the US. And I guess I should have told them before I left. Um, so it wouldn't let me get any cash out. And so yesterday I spent the majority of my day like wandering around, varying between either panic that I'm just going to be stuck here. Um, or, and like also trying to be trusting that, you know, I came here and it's going to be okay. And eventually it was. I eventually talked to my bank. They eventually unlocked my stuff so I could get cash. But at that point, I had discovered there was a much cheaper bus that goes straight to London from here that nobody told me about at all. I talked to all these people. How do I get to Glastonbury? Nobody mentioned this very cheap bus. <laughs> so I booked the bus. And, uh... Even that was difficult. I get to the bus booking station. They're like, you can't book it because you're a half an hour too late. I'm like, what? 
And then they so they're like, we're gonna have to because you have to ring up the bus company, and the bus company's gone because it's a holiday. And eventually, she eventually was like, well, let me just try ringing them up, and she did, and they just happened to be there. So yesterday was uncomfortable. It didn't feel good to come back here where it had felt good before. I don't know if I said that. When it came to Glastonbury the first time, it felt good. It felt right and sacred and and yes. And then I came yesterday and it was like a big mess of worry and things going wrong and all that stuff. Um, and I realized that if I want to be more trusting of life and of whatever cosmic something that is all around us that I have to have opportunities to practice that and that means being in an unbalanced situation being in a situation of unknowing and that doesn't feel good but it also is very growing um, oh and I should also say that I have found my voice now I found my feet here when I went back to London after my first trip out here to the country I was like, yes, this is this is yes now. Coming back to it, coming back to it, rested with a little bit of knowledge. And it just felt yes. And so, just remember that even good new things are still new, and require transition. So, um, right now, I'm sitting on the side of the Glastonbury tour again. I'm going up a different route because I heard it's less windy this way. Um, and I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again to get to the top because I'm here again, so why not take the opportunity to try, right? And no matter what happens, I'll know I have tried and that it takes time to transition. So that's where I'm at right now. The discomfort of the new, the comfort of the loved becoming enfleshed before your eyes and living up to it in spite of your fears and also some of your fears happening too and knowing that you're strong enough to survive it and come through it and let it even maybe grow you it's interesting looking back on my trip to New Zealand now after this trip or at least in the midst of this current trip to the UK that I can see how far I've come and I can see how much stronger I am now and that I'm not willing to just capitulate, but I'm willing to keep showing up. Because when it was hard, the first time I went to London, when I showed up in London, I didn't have to go to the Tower of London. I went to a bunch of museums. I didn't have to go to the museums. I didn't have to go um, to see all these sites. I saw all these you know, wonderful sites. Um, and I went there because I was here, so why not go there? But old me, the me in New Zealand, would have just probably not gone out of, like, gotten to my Airbnb and not left. So I've come a long way, and even if I'm not feeling, like, in the zone or whatever you want to call it, I'm still going to try showing up and see if it will change me, my, like, change my mind. And even if it doesn't change my mind, knowing that I did my best with what I had, with the energy I had, with my own personal resources in the moment. So, I'll come back later and let you know how it went on my second gallivant of the tour. Sounds good? Sound good? Alright, talk to you later.
So, I have now finished my second attempt to summit the tour, and I got much closer than I had been get I had gotten the first time, um, but I didn't get to the top because I panicked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just a steep drop off. I don't like them. Um, but you know what? Again, I feel like I'm not beating myself up about it, which is again weird for me. I'm right now I'm sitting in the Avalon Orchard, which is amazing, looking at the tour. And um, I don't know, I got farther than I had before. So I made progress, but also I was thinking on my way back down, like, why, why do I feel like I need to summit the tour? Like, what's up there? There's a Christian monument. It's not even, like, a sacred feminine mon- monument. The tour, it's, like, the hill itself is the monument, which I've touched and I've walked on. And I've sat on and listened to. So why the need to go up to this tower, which is this like masculine Christian? Not that those things are bad, but for me, that's not like an important value. But it's masculine Christian monument, presumably of achievement, because climbing to the tour is kind of a masculine energy, right? Um, summiting, achieving. Not that women don't do these things. Um, but it's more about like this direct line and do it, be strong, suppress your fear. And not, again, that is a bad thing or those are bad things. But um, I was thinking on the way down, like, why, why do I want to climb this thing to the top? What, what's the goal? Once I get up there, I'll be afraid. I'll be afraid coming down, just as if maybe more afraid than I was going up because I hate coming down. Um... Like, I didn't, and when I was in London, I didn't ride the eye, which is this massive Ferris wheel on the Thames. Why? I didn't ride it because I knew I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, same with walking, uh, like, climbing up the tower, the tower bridge and walking on the glass floor that lets you look down. I'm like, that sounds really not fun for me. So why? 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 Why this particular thing? Um, it's interesting. And not to say that it's good that I didn't climb it, or that it's bad that I didn't climb it. I'm just trying to be curious about the experiences I have had as they are. So again, living in the imbalance, living with the, oh, yes, it's, it's real, and oh, no, it's real. Um... Again, I feel pretty satisfied and also sweaty. <laughs> All right, so that's it for me. Um, I know that the podcast has been kind of, well, not kind of, it's been offline. Um, I renewed it because I've had people looking for it and emailing me, so hopefully this helps. Uh, and I plan on releasing more regular episodes again. Um, so please do subscribe if you haven't subscribed, or even if you have subscribed pre- previously, because it's a different iTunes thing now, a different iTunes listing, so you'll need to resubscribe um, to get updates automatically. And if you found this was valuable, I'd love it if you could read a, or leave a review to help other people just like you find it as well. Um <clears throat> I know that this is a bit of a more stream of consciousness episode than usual, so I hope that worked okay. Uh, Let me know what you think. All right, thank you again for listening and for joining me on my adventures and travels.
Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the She of the Wild podcast. For more inspiration and support for your creative journey, please visit www.sheofthewild.com. Thank you.